Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt, and uh, we're going to need you guys to um, kindly let us back into your homes for this episode. We need verbal consent yeah, we'll, we'll before need a welcome we step greeting, over. If you will. Yeah, yeah. Like, we know we've been away for a bit, but if you could just invite us in for a couple of beers, maybe an apple or two, uh, we can sort all of this out. <laughs> It'll all be okay. Yeah. And if you I don't, mean, we will burn your house down. Yeah, no, we'll fucking... No, no like, dude... <laughs> Man, God, does Jerry just not take no for an answer? <laughs> Bro, it's problematic a little bit, but, like... I mean, at that point, I kind of get it at being no, 100 I, plus years old. It's it's so fun. It's refreshing for me to see a vampire movie that doesn't, like, forget, like, oh, yeah, I'm way stronger, faster, and more intelligent and than, you. than you. Right. It's just like, listen, I tried it your way. Uh, I don't have to get a stupid invitation. I could just rip your house down <laughs> to get inside. an invitation if there's no house. Literally, I I cheered. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me, man? That's awesome!" I, I legitimately was taken aback. It was <laughs> wild. Oh uh, man, guys, welcome back to Square Horror. We're doing vampires again on our wonderful world of remakes series. Uh, mm-hmm. Ramping up to oh my god, we're ramping up to episode one hundred, Danny. We're within sight. Mm-hmm. We're, We're almost like there. within touching distance of episode 100. We can almost reach it. We're about two fang distances away uh, <laughs> from... <laughs> See? Uh, we're almost there. Uh, today, today we're going to be covering um, one of the two remakes that we are... Man, I'm glad we saved these because these are some of... I just told you before uh, we started recording, but these are some of mm-hmm. my most favorite remakes because they're, they're just so good mm, oh chef's kiss they're just so mm, different for different reasons than one another but also in mm-hmm. terms of like you know why do we have remakes we gotta modernize the audience uh, we gotta modernize the film with the the modern audience yes. uh and in both cases for these two remakes, especially with this one, bringing vampires into the modern age. How many times has that been done, Danny? Post-Twilight. Right. Post-Twilight. They make jokes about Twilight in this movie. I don't really appreciate the Twilight hate. I will say that. Um, I mean, I... (laughs) Listen, I get it because if someone came up to me and was like, hey, vampires are real and Twilight is how I know that, I would also laugh at them. Because there's so many other options for better choices as to why vampires are real. That is true. However, again, this is 2011, so this is like the height of the Twilight period. So at the very Mm -hmm. least, if I have seen Twilight and someone told me, hey, vampires are real, I'd be like, oh shit, are they just as unstoppable as they are on Twilight? And then you would have said, yeah, and they're kind of even more powerful. And I would have been like, you know what? Let's just go into our little panic rooms and just hope for it to be over. Because I... Move. Let's get out of <laughs> let's here. Let's just get out of here. Let's get out of the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not live by Vegas. Yeah. Where it's like okay to sleep all day and to work all night and to mm-hmm. just have very like no questions asked type lifestyle. Yeah. Uh but, um, I don't know, that's the kind of the environment we find the remake of Fright Nights in, 2011's Fright Nights. Um, so yeah, this movie is directed by, um, Craig Gillespie, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, 
who yeah. is a an Australian director who is um, probably more famous um, for doing this movie, um, I, Tanya, the Cruella um, prequel movie for Disney. Interesting. And, um, upcoming, he's about to release uh, a movie called Dumb Money, which is a movie <laughs> starring Paul Dano about like the GameStop stock crisis event that happened. Wait, like, really? That sounds good. I saw the trailer for it a couple weeks ago, and I'm actually very excited for it. That it sounds looks really, really cool. Good. I mean, especially uh, because yeah, that did that like just happen like a year ago, and man, yeah, Paul Dano, fresh. hell yeah, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, I'm definitely down. Um, and yeah. he also did a few episodes of the Pam and Tommy miniseries, and he nice. did a show called um, United States of Terra, which is how he first worked with uh, Tony Collette, who mm-hmm. uh, he works with again in this movie. Yeah, man, Tony Collette, the whole cast uh, of this movie a is... A wildly stacked cast. Yeah, an out-of-left-field stacked cast, and everybody gives like 110%. And I'm oh, so yeah. proud of it. Like, everybody is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they all I also go for it. noticed that it's distributed by DreamWorks? Yeah, this is a DreamWorks movie. Uh, Sweet! <laughs> <laughs> in case you forgot that DreamWorks can do other things than just Shrek and... Uh, oh god, what else do they have? Puss in Boots. Puss I mean, Boots. that's still technically Shrek. Uh, god, what the fuck what else do they Prince made? Prince of Egypt? Uh... Prince yes, of Egypt, Prince of Egypt. Their project in the 90s. Yes. Um, why in the hell can I not think of another DreamWorks property that I isn't Shrek? I can't think of any non-animated DreamWorks properties. 2011's Fright Nights is one. 2011's Fright Nights. <laughs> so, this, so. this is it. So, you know, we like to cover, you know, kind of just the remake when we do the Wonderful World of Remakes. Uh, but I do think it is interesting to know because he is credited with the story uh, that Tom Holland uh, made the original Fright Nights back mm-hmm. in, I believe, the early 80s. And Tom uh, Holland also... if memory serves. Oh, nice. So he also wrote and directed the original Child's Play. Uh, mm-hmm. So this guy knows what's up. He also, I mean, just because of that, has an affinity for Chris Sarandon. Yes. Oh, Chris. I love Chris Sarandon. He's great. <laughs> I mean, Chris Sarandon, for those that don't know, he's Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Jack I mean, Skellington I, in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That is correct. I always forget that. Right? Yeah, it's, it always surprised. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, man, but in terms of... As remakes go, I mean, we're very pro-remake on this show. We've always been. I Mm -hmm. would always love to look at... Whenever a remake does come out, you know, there's that general, like, oh, God, why are they remaking this? Sometimes, though, for a movie like Fright Night, I feel like for modern audiences who may not have heard of or at the very least haven't seen the the original one, Mm -hmm. this one does what a lot of really good remakes do where it takes a lot of the the same energy and maybe the story beats as the original, but it zhuzhes it up and it kind of glamorizes it in the modern way of mm-hmm. filmmaking. Like, there's a lot more, I mean, the editing is different, uh, the music obviously is different, the effects, there's some, you know, early 2010 CGI uh, that yeah. maybe doesn't age as well, uh, but it can be forgiven, it's used pretty sparingly. 
Yes. Well, yeah, and, like, some of those things, again, you just kind of have to accept as part of, like, par for the course in a movie of this era, because this was, again, the early 2010s, when everything was, like, trying to be, like, CGI looks really cool now, and they were like... Yeah, like, they just were able to use CGI to do, like, really cool, fancy things, and they were really excited to, like, put it everywhere, but the problem is, as soon as those effects get better at all then the effects just look really bad by default. Yeah. It's like watching um, any, like... I mean, Pixar is kind of the exception, but, like, watching any older, and like, 3D animated movie, as soon as watch, you see, like... If you watch, like, the first Pixar short they ever did, which is of, like, a creepy baby... Yeah, Tin Toy. Yeah, where they don't know... Today. <laughs> I was watching this video the other day about... Um, Pixar making The Incredibles, how they were like, yeah, we hated animating people, so we just made a bunch of movies that had no people in it at all. And then when they're like, okay, how do we up our game? They're like, let's just do everything we can't do. Like, fire, water, people, a lot of different action landscapes. Super speed. And just, right, exactly. They're just like, how about we just make it hard to prove that we can? Yeah, and <laughs> I love that type of spirit. And I love Brad Bird for that, and I love The Incredibles, obviously. But because of that, you sort of have a whole generation of live-action movies with CGI in this mm-hmm. era that are sometimes remanded to like the dustbins of history because the effects just aren't good enough by today's standards, which I feel like is not always fair, especially I with agree. a movie like this, because there's so much more to Fright Night than yeah, just the so much... CGI stuff. Well, and even if you look at how it was perceived back when it released, people didn't really care about the CGI. People were just loving the humor of the movie and a lot of the main actors' performances. Specifically, Colin Farrell gets a lot oh, of credit God. for this movie. Which he Dude, should. Uh, most of my notes for this movie are about Colin Farrell. <laughs> well, so I mean, this I... movie's very near and dear to his heart, too. That's true, because... which... His mom um, met her second husband on the set of this movie. That's so, so crazy. It be a very important movie to like his family. That's so wild, and it's it, it was so nice for me to see uh, how much he he cares about this movie. Not only after the fact, but also during. Um, like I was seeing that he was like, I really wanted to make the character like authentic to how old he was so he's like i prepared this like latin monologue he got like this latin coach that was yeah. like the, the monologue got cut but like he did such a good job and like the latin coach was so impressed that she wrote this like article about how fun it was to work with colin farrell on this movie doing this one thing that didn't end up making it at all um mm. and i also saw just because of clearly how um into the character he was and i do not blame him but he got a little overzealous and, like, actually bit a stuntman. <laughs> yep. Well, and, like, he mentions that um, this is, this was a really hard role for him to play because the character has literally no soul, so there wasn't right. any, like, humanity he could ground his performance in. And I'm like, yes, that is correct, Colin. Well, and it's and so cool it's because... so good at what you do. Like, I mean, Colin Farrell is... I love Colin Farrell. Anything that he's in, I'm just like, all right, cool, I'm I'm hooked. I love Colin Farrell so much. And how good he is in this movie with his approach to playing a vampire 
Yeah. Like, the nuances that are there. Like, anytime he's on screen, I just really like watching every little, like, move that he'll make. Because everything is so deliberate. And because there's... Yeah. yeah, right, right. Like, and because there's no humanity. Like, the vampires in this movie, like, Ed talks about it. He's like, they're just like the shark from Jaws. Like, they're just purely predators. Mm-hmm. So, when he interacts with humans, he, it, like he's definitely a predator wearing human skin. Like, he's yeah. trying so hard, and he's good at it because he's got hundreds of years, but he he really is good at adopting mannerisms, but you can look in his face and you can just see the nothing behind his eyes. And then, like, mm-hmm. literally when they turn black like a shark's eyes, when he becomes more, like, you know, he lets the guard down to be like, well, now I'm just gonna eat you. Like, that veneer goes away, and you see the, like, actual predator come out. And they really do a lot to make the vampires more animalistic, especially, like, when they get hurt. There's all those, Mm -hmm. like, grunts and snarls, and, like, all that facade goes away. I do want to mention, because I feel like it's important to give voice actors their credit when credit is due. Um, Mm. Whenever, like, the vampires are going through any of those aggressions or anything, um, all of the... It's credited as the vampire vocals are all performed by D. Bradley Baker, who is Bro, one of the most iconic voice actors in the modern era. I can't believe they got him for this. It's like using Frank <laughs> Welker to be any animal you have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it. I can't believe that they, uh, they got him for all this. Because, like, they do that, like, you know... Uh, like, we talked about, like, 30 Days of Night, how they had that, like like dry throaty sort of like clicking noise that they do mm-hmm. but these noises sound like a predator they sound like a yeah. large animal and when they get hurt or when they're going to feed it, it, you can see that it's this other thing that just l- resembles a human mhm i love that i i mean really just didn't expect that from a vampire like there's so much cool like, specific to this movie vampire stuff that I, yeah. I can't wait to get into. Um, so, kind of going off of that, before we jump into the movie, I do want to mention um, the, screen pr- the screenplay author is uh, Marty Noxon, who um, is a screenwriter and executive producer of the modern era, who, naturally, I love, because she was involved with one of my favorite vampire projects, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, which she worked on from season two until it ended. She was with it wow. for most of the run of it. Uh, wow. writing, I believe, somewhere between 40 and 50 episodes of the show. Um, and we were talking beforehand that, like, it really shines through. Because, I mean, having a a woman writing this movie, there's a lot of female characters that are given more depth than they probably otherwise would have had. Young Mm -hmm. people are given more respect in terms of their character than they probably would have otherwise had. And the emotional beats between what's supposed to be scary and what's supposed to be funny, they don't seem disjointed and all of it feels very natural. And it's really, really good to to sit through. And, you know, it's very easy to, you know get all of these characters very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to mention, she did also go on to write some other really um, big, highbrow projects. Like, she wrote on Mad Men for a little while. 
Hell yeah, She man. was a producer and a writer on Glee before she realized that Glee was terrible and she left <laughs> within the same season she started oh! on. The shade on Glee from Danny Hollander. <laughs> I will always have opinions on Glee. <laughs> um, and she did also help out with Angel, the spinoff of Buffy, because naturally that's how it's got to go down. Right. Um, and in the same year that she wrote Fright Night, she actually wrote... Um, the screenplay to I Am Number Four, if you remember that movie from I do. I, I mostly also, just remember... Fun fact, Ke- stars Timothy Oliphant. Oh, what? Much like, uh, much like The Crazies, which we'll be covering. Timothy Oliphant is in fucking everything, and I love it, because just like Colin Farrell, anytime he shows up, I'm like, hell yeah, Timothy Oliphant's here to kick ass. Yeah. I mean, I mostly know I am number four because Kevin uh, read those books in high school, and all he would talk about when we lived together is how much he hated that movie because of how inaccurate it was. (laughs) But I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't read the books, but hell, man. If it's got Timothy Oliphant, I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Shall we jump into this movie, Matt? Yeah, man. I'm so excited. So... We start this movie very aggressively in mm-hmm. action because we're not just we're not pussyfooting around with this one. We're going straight no. into the first attack, first moment of the movie, which is an aggressive way to like show it's a little bit different from the original Fright Night, if memory serves. Because the yes. original one starts off a little bit slower and builds to more vampiric activity. This one hits the ground running and does not yeah. stop. The cold open is really effective, I feel like, for setting the tone uh, to remind humans, uh, especially in this age of, like, Twilight and, like, post-Buffy, uh, mm-hmm. that fighting vampires as a human is, like, Damn a death sentence. Impossible. Like, it's it's so futile, because mm-hmm. they'll just kill you in a second. Like, they just don't give a fuck, because you can't stop them. Like, they're so yeah. much stronger than you, <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. just gonna kill you in a second. Yeah, and they do, because they yeah. have, they don't care. Yeah, the, the super strength is on display, the super speed, um, you know, just being able to haul bodies around like they're nothing. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of setting this precedent that, you know, yes, there's a vampire on the loose. Um, it's a very small community. The suburb is literally just like 40 houses in a square, in the mm-hmm. desert outside of Las Vegas. Like, it's a very small, developing, Which is new gonna be a community. terrible place to live. You like, think not so? Only, not only is it a tiny suburb, but, like, the city near you is Las Vegas, which is, like, the tourist destination of tourist destinations. So, right. So, like, you can't even have anything really fun there. So, like, you're just kind of stuck in your burb. Yeah. Well, and it, as they kind of take a lot of lengths to show, it's, like, it's a community, like, all of those type of communities, and they, they actually exist in, you know, mm-hmm. all of these places around Las Vegas. It's, like, all the people that work there have to live somewhere, so they all just live, like, right over there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it kind of sets the tone that this community is full of people that work on the Strip. Um, it sets this tone that, like, 
because it's Las Vegas, a lot of people like sleep all day and they work at nights. A lot of a lot of weird people are around. Again, it's Las Vegas. Um, so there's not a lot of questions being asked, a lot of people just kind of doing their own thing, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like secretly the perfect spot for a vampire to set up shop. Well, yeah, and like it's super hard because we find out very early on our uh, lead, Charlie, his mom is a realtor, and so she's trying to sell these houses, and it's right. just so hard to sell these houses. But then when someone like Jerry moves in next door, you don't want to ask too many questions because you don't want to have to sell another house. Okay, so, Danny, Jerry is the worst name for a vampire. And I love that the movie is so aware of that because (laughs) it's just not scary. No. (laughs) And it's on purpose. (laughs) Like, it's almost like part of his shield is like, well, if I name myself, like, Jerry... No one will be afraid of me. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it. I think it's a joke like three or four times in the movie where they're just oh, like, yeah. really, you're scared of a guy named Jerry? That's Because that's it's true. Because anytime they say it, I'm like, I just giggle a little. Even when he's like ripping cars apart, I'm just like, Jerry. Well, again, like, for me, I have a name recognition. Jerry makes me think of the guy from Parks and Recreation, and I don't think of him as a dangerous vampire. <laughs> No! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think of him as the man who had a fart attack. <laughs> oh, man. But, <laughs> but what I think it's good, so you mentioned uh, the main character, Charlie. Charlie Brewster, I feel like, is a really good uh, protagonist name. Like, it's a really good, oh, yeah. like, Stephen King-type protagonist name. Uh, we also should note Charlie Brewster is played by Anton Yelchin. We've covered mm-hmm. before on the podcast with in Green Room. Uh, yes. There's going to be a lot of people on this in this movie that we've covered before, and it's going to be kind of interesting. Well, and in fact, his um, his significant other in the movie, uh, Amy, is played by yeah. another Green Room alum, uh, Imogen Poots, which I probably, yeah. probably pronouncing wrong, but I don't mean to be. I don't know it, how to pronounce I mean, her name. It's spelled with two O's. I think that's how you'd pronounce it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're both in Green Room later on, so it's got to be kind of interesting, especially just from how different their characters were mm-hmm. from each other in that movie. To have them have such a really cool natural chemistry in this movie is they really nice. They have such a cute chemistry in this movie. They do, Holy yeah. shit. And Charlie is such a very unique character, too, to write, too, because he, he gives, like, freshly cool, formerly n- nerd kind of guy... Yeah, like, he's just been, like, the pulled up. Crowd. Yeah, and, like, everyone, even the popular kids are like, how in the fuck are you dating Amy? <laughs> like, yeah. we just don't. We don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's just because he's sweet. He seems to have his shit together. Uh, and, I mean, she it's seems cool, too. He's a good too. dude. He's, he's a good, good guy. He's not only and a good dude to his friends, but he's a good dude. No, because he's, he's probably just, just as afraid of losing all of this in a mm. second. Because, like, he's probably like, bro, I don't know how it happened, but, like, whatever I'm doing, I better be doing something right. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's friends with Dave Franco. I mean, how much cooler could you get? Well, not only Dave Franco, but also the guy who plays Dylan in Modern Family, which is uh, Haley's oh! boyfriend for a while. <laughs> Because it took me about halfway yes. through the first scene to figure out where I knew that fucker from. I think it wasn't until they were, like, smoking weed in their car that I was like, how do I know that guy? Yeah. 
And I looked, yeah, I'd look him up, I'm like, oh, I think he was the same character in Modern Family. Yeah. Um, however, that being said, he did have to give up his friendship with Ed, who's played yeah. by um, Christopher Mintz-Plus, like, shortly mm. after um, both his roles in Superbad and the first Kick-Ass movie. I think they were all within, like, two years of each other, because this yeah, kid's think... career... I mean, kid, he's older than us, but, like, yeah. this guy's career... With the, he he was kind of like a Finn Wolfhard that as soon as he blew up everyone was like cast him in everything. Oh, yeah. They they were starting to just be campaigns that were just like bring McLovin back. Yeah, it's just like put McLovin in your movie and people will go see it. <laughs> and it worked for a long I mean, yeah. while. I mean, I, don't I know think how he's I doing think he's recently, great. but he's a I great gotta, actor. I want him I to feel, keep working. I feel like I saw him in something within the last year or two, and the first thought was, like, I'm really glad that he's still working, because even, like, yeah, McLovin is McLovin, but, like, he's such a good actor in everything that he does, because he, again, everyone in this movie gives 110% to the characters that they play, and, Mm. I mean, Ed is, like, you know, Charlie kind of went Super Saiyan with the popular crowd, and he left his buddies behind. This guy Ed and his other friend Adam, who unfortunately we got we watched get murdered in that cold open in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. When we didn't so, know who it was. No, no, no. But I mean, we learned pretty quickly that like Ed, he he knows what's going on. Like the, Ed, Ed may is seem fully like a prepared geek prepared to take down a vampire. And I mean, I you got that's what he's up against. You got to admire the gumption, because like we meet him like where it's probably like if we're if like Ed had a movie like by the time we meet him in this movie, which is like ten minutes in, if that, Mm -hmm. he's probably on like hour one. Like he's gathered the intel. Him and Adam have like done all the planning. Like Buffy and Giles walk around with (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, like full of weapons. Yeah, man, he's got crosses, he's got holy water, he's got all, as many stakes as you can shake a stake at. I think even he has a he has a cross that has a stake at the bottom of it, which honestly oh, yeah. is a smart maneuver. Forever, I felt like all crosses for vampire hunters should at the very least be made of silver and also be a knife. Like, it's just yes. a really good idea to be, like, inevitable. Because I feel like crosses are, like, always the first thing to go. Like, mm-hmm. they're the first line of defense where you're like, okay, are these vampires resistant to crucifixes or not? So when, inevitably, they're not, you can then just, like, stab them when they get yeah. too close to be like, oh, you idiot, you thought crosses were working? By that time, they're gloating, you've already stabbed them, and then they're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Ed's no Buffy. No, he, he is very much a Xander. He's just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a guy. I can't believe we didn't talk about Mom, too. We mentioned Tony Collette before, but um, the incomparable Tony Collette is mm-hmm. Charlie's mom. Uh, and just like always, she's she gives cool mom vibes. She gets along great with Charlie. Um, she's a lot more I even chill as a mom in this one than, than hereditary. hereditary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, she doesn't have a uh, dead child to be dealing with in this one, so that does. She help. also doesn't have like a psycho dead mom that she's like also trying true. to process the trauma from. But like, whenever Tony Collette, I feel like is able to just like do whatever she wants. She always just gives like cool. Like she's always like on top yes. of shit. 
You know what I mean? Like also like if her character in Krampus didn't have a fucked up family life. Yes. Yes. Because she could just be a mom. Exactly. Right. Right. And like I even really like the the dynamics that she has with Amy. Like there's a scene later where like Amy shows up and she's like, "You got to tell me what the fuck is happening," and. Mom is just sitting up there like, get a girl. I'm like, yes, yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, like you can tell that those two have a relationship as well. Where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, if I can't get through to my son, I'll just send Amy his way. And I know that'll work. I mean, it explains why, like, they meet. She's just totally cool and trusting with, like, the two of them going to wherever and kind of doing whatever, because she's like, I trust them, I trust Amy, and mm. to be honest, I know my son's still a big nerd at heart, so I know he's not going to try to pull anything. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, we learn so much about these characters so quickly just because of the way that they interact with each other, and it's mm. consistent throughout the movie, and it's just really cool to see even in a, in a vampire remake, like, these characters are given the modern treatment, and it's done in such a, a nice transitional way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Ed has talked to Charlie, and is like, hey, your neighbor, he's a vampire, dude, and we gotta take him out, like, now, or else it's gonna be a big problem. And, and he's like, like get you're, away you're from me. <laughs> get away, you're talking about murdering a dude. <laughs> He's like, I just met my neighbor. He's just a guy. Yeah, okay, so Jerry, again, Jerry, ugh. Um, he's Colin Farrell. So yes. I'm sure everyone, some, everyone's seen something that Colin Farrell is in, but Colin Farrell is a very handsome guy. He's hot. He's hot, yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's hot, and he's really hot in this. And everybody immediately knows it, too. Because, like... Mm-hmm. He's just, he's futzing with something in the yard when the kids get home from school, and, like, mom is, like, all over it. And he's like, man, is my mom flirting? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, have you seen him? (laughs) Have you looked at him? He's handy? I mean, come on. Uh, It's also kind of awesome that, like, again, it's no secret, at least to us, I feel like the there's vampires in this movie and that Jerry's a vampire. But I always love like in any story where like the lost boys, I think about a lot where the vampires are there, but like, it's all about convincing normies that vampires are real. Mm -hmm. So, but because vampires operate on the assumption that like humans don't believe in them, they have like a cheeky sense of humor. So when mom is sitting there being like, yeah, he works nights on the strip and he's like, Oh yeah, I'd love to, get a drink sometime. I'm like, oh, I love all the obvious, like, hiding in plain sight vampire tropes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really, really do. And I feel like this does it in such a unique way, too. Well, yeah, and, like, the movie also very quickly does remind you, Jerry's definitely a vampire, because he uh, attacks Ed as Ed is going home after Dave Franco tries to fight Ed. And, <laughs> yeah, man. And Jerry's just like, yeah. I've been watching you, just like you've been watching me. And then um, Ed jumps into the nearby house thinking that that will make him safe because vampires need to be invited in. But Jerry just looks at him, walks in the door and goes, don't need it if it's abandoned. And Ed is just terrified. Like, oh shit. would also be. 
Right. Uh, and, like, I remember this being the very... Like, this remake specifically, I remember seeing when I was younger, and it was the very first vampire movie that I saw that played on the, like, you have to invite a vampire in for them mm-hmm. to be able to get you trope. And it it's one of those things that I feel like you can make fun of vampires with a lot because, like, you gotta be invited in. Like, we've mm-hmm. talked about with Let Me In, the way that they counteract that was like, yeah, but if they do, they'll just hemorrhage to death. And it's like, good lord. Yeah, At least in was, this. Oh, that was fucked up. Yeah, remember how fucked up that was? <laughs> For, like, no reason? <laughs> I'd, like, push that away. I'd push that down. I think about that a lot sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so, but, like, with this, having the invite me in trope, they use it to the effect of, like, there's always a casual way that you can get someone to, like, maybe not even notice that they can invite you in. Mm-hmm. And I really like the way that, like, this movie adapts a lot of more cliche vampire mythos to, like, a deadlier way because they ascribe it to, like, a super predator. Like, the mm-hmm. vampires in this movie are eating machines. Like, they're just perfect predators. Yeah. So, yeah, they have all of this, like, lore, but they know you know about it, so they've already, like, they're, like, five steps ahead of what you might think you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I love the scene where he's like, hey, Charlie, I'm, I have oh, God. for beers, but I That's my favorite. out. Um, would you be able to help me out? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can go grab you some. And then when he's in there and he drops a beer because he gets freaked out because he knows uh-huh. he's a vampire at this point, and Jerry just instinctively goes, oh, do you want some help with that? Because if he says mm-hmm. yes, that's an invitation. Boom, and, he's done. And Charlie right. takes a second and goes, no, uh, I, I've got it. Right, right. So and I mean, I love the way that he like he like steps right up to the threshold and mm-hmm. just stays there. But like, well, and Charlie holds the, the six pack back for a second to see if he can reach in the door frame, and he can't. Oh, dude! Oh my God! So that whole scene, I guess we could just talk about it real quick. But yeah. like, Charlie in that moment, like he he's already like found the evidence in Ed's room that. You know, he doesn't show up in recordings. Yeah, like Jerry is straight up a vampire because like he's not in videos, and yeah, he doesn't show up in mirrors, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like to have because again, Jerry is not stupid, uh, and he figures out that Charlie knows like in that moment. So that whole mm-hmm. like passive aggressive like yeah, you got to be careful because there's a lot of bad people out there. So just like Watch like out for he basically people. yeah, it's like. He knows that he knows, and, like, what a way to say, do not fuck with me. Then, yeah. like, I know you know, and I I don't need to be... Again, we will talk about it later, but, like, he doesn't need to be invited in to kill you and your whole family. So just, like, mm-hmm. stay out of my way, and I won't fuck with you. Because, like, I kind of like you. Your mom seems nice. Just don't go get in my way. Girl's blood. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go kill somebody. <laughs> But real quick, I want to talk about when he does kill Ed, um, I think it's a really interesting way that he recruits him. Because mm-hmm. in that moment that, like, Ed goes into the pool, um, first of all, Jerry's eyes turn black, and, like, all of those vampire oh, sure. traits start to come out in a very, like, subtle way, and it's, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's coming on it. He's like, hey... You're alone out here. I understand what that must be like. Your friend left you. And if we're being honest, like, 
what I'm about to give you is a gift. And it's mm-hmm. something that I know you're going to want to enjoy. Because he's like, trust me, it's awesome. You're going to love it. Because <laughs> you just become this, like, uber predator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's when Colin Farrell got a little overzealous and bit <laughs> the stunt double <laughs> for real. And this is also one of the few times that uh, Steven Spielberg made a contribution to the movie. Oh, uh, shit. Because he just kind of, like, helped out a little bit. Um, when they like reached out to him and he was like, Hey, at the end of this scene, you should have a shot of him letting go of the crucifix in his hand into right. the pool. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg was like, that, that'll make your vampire scarier that he's actually oh, yeah. choosing against faith into giving up his mortality. Yeah. Th- there's a, very like they do that later especially with amy but like there's this moment like they don't go really into the vampire hypnosis and i'm kind of glad because sometimes that's a little op mm-hmm. but like in those moments right before he bites you he's able to like invade your personal space and invade your essence like literally to yeah. like overpower your will to get you to give in to it so it's almost like I don't know, because, like, Colin Farrell talked about, like, oh, I don't really want the character to, like, come off as, like, a sexual predator. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's okay, he's a vampire. Like, we know he's not, like, doing anything okay. naughty. He's, he's just killing that's people. kind of what right. they do sometimes. Right, like, that's their whole thing. It's, like, they're, they're just... Des- Remember Twilight? Everything about me is designed to invite you in. I'm sorry, but, like, it's relevant. Because the whole thing about vampires is they're supposed to be attractive to humans so they can mm-hmm. lure them in to more efficiently kill them. Like, yeah. the whole invite me in trope is, like, it's almost like a like a uh, an afterthought. Because it's like, why wouldn't you want this thing to come closer to you? Because you want to be near it. So mm-hmm. when he's biting him, he knows that, like, the crucifix is, like something he's averse to. So to consciously give it up is like, oh, he's into it. Like, he really wants it, too. Um, And yeah, so later on, now that Charlie is convinced that Jerry's a vampire, because he's right, uh, and he sees (laughs) that um, Jerry has taken a girl inside, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, this is not going to end well. And he goes so far as to, um, for lack of a better phrase, cockblock himself. Because he's I freaking so out about other people. <laughs> what was the, he's like, yeah, because like he's just been told in no uncertain terms, like stay out of my way or I'll fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. So Charlie immediately decides to fuck with him, yeah. and like he goes upstairs. His girlfriend's like, so we're gonna have sex, right? And he's like, please believe me, babe. There's absolutely nothing I want to do more. But I have to like I'm one hundred percent sure my vampire neighbor is gonna kill my other hot neighbor, and I can't I can't have this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the cops do show up, but in natural um, vampire movie sense, uh, he answers the door, and they're like, "Nah, they're just shooting the shit." And it's like, "Ah, yeah, there's no problems here. Have a good day, Mister." And then the well, cops like he leave. literally. He literally was like, because when Charlie called the police, it was because he heard a blood-curdling scream. So mm-hmm. he calls the police, and the police show up, and they're like, we heard a scream. And he's like, oh, you know, I got a lady over. And the cops are like, I bet you were making a scream, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, no, cops, you got to investigate, buddy. <laughs> uh, like, I so- know, it's Colin Farrell, but, like, dude. <laughs> so then Charlie decides to take it upon himself to investigate Well, um jerry leaves for a little bit 
So he sneaks into Jerry's house and inadvertently finds the secret rooms because he is hiding in a closet and finds a trapdoor. Yeah. When Jerry shows back up. And so he finds yeah, he... this girl locked in a in a little like closet room and actively sees Jerry bite her neck before he tries to save her. Yeah, it's like he's he sees it. He he knows what he's up against. Uh mm-hmm. he knows that there's multiple rooms back there. God knows who or what's in the other rooms. Uh yeah. but it's something that Jerry was adding to his house once he moved in. Uh mm-hmm. either to, you know, build to house victims for like multiple days. And he's been removing concrete from the basement. Yeah, fish suspicious. Um but what we know, so he sees uh, Jerry bite Doris, his uh, go-go dancer neighbor. Mm-hmm. So by vampire rules, she's going to turn at some point. So yes. even though in his best efforts, Charlie tries to get her out, like Jerry lets them leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only to Yeah, he knows what's up. And, I mean, it's broad daylight at this point, so when Charlie leads her outside, she gets obliterated by the sun in, like, seconds. And it's brutal. Yeah, it's, like, instantaneous, too. Like, the sun hits her once, and it's like, Mm -hmm. boom, you're done. It's over. And so then Charlie's like, what the fuck am I up against? I am in a way over my head. Vampires are real, and, like... This now he knows I'm fucking with him, so like now I'm screwed. I better so get I help. Need, I need backup, and yeah, where he needs better to, call... to go for backup than a Las Vegas magician named Peter Vincent? Who I Peter... appreciate that Peter Vincent <laughs> is named after two horror icons, Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. Ah, uh, um, yes, Van Helsing and uh, I don't know. Vincent Price is just the spooky guy. I was gonna say, yeah, Vincent Price from anything he was in. Yeah, he's Um, just scary, yeah. (laughs) And, of course, because this movie has a stacked cast, Peter Vincent is played by none other than David Tennant himself. He's so good. Uh, I also love that, like, because Peter Vincent is this, like, Las Vegas paranormal magician guy Mm -hmm. uh, who's, like, this master of the dark arts, and, like... The very first time I saw him, I was like, he looks like Lucian from the Underworld. Like, he <laughs> looks like the leader of the Lycans. Which is funny because David Tennant and uh, Michael Sheen are, like, Best really friends. good friends. <laughs> and every interview I see with each, with them, they just act like a married couple because they just roast each other constantly. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know if anybody out there has ever watched the show staged with the two of them. But if you haven't, uh, I highly recommend it. Because it's just the two of them acting as themselves in interactions. There was something I just saw the other day that was, uh, they were, the two of them were in an interview and the lady asked uh, Michael Sheen, like, oh, like, what's next for you? Like, what are you doing next? And I don't know the context. I'm not as plugged into theater, but he said some role that he was playing. Mm -hmm. And David Tennant's like, oh, we're really branching out, aren't we? And then Michael just goes, he just 
goes for his whole life. He's like, oh yeah, we're really gonna talk about the roles I play? Mr. I'm in every single BBC true crime documentary to the point that when I move into a new small little sleepy community, everyone's like, oh fuck, guess the the tall lanky guy's gonna brood over a cliff or something? And I'm like, Jesus, come for his whole fucking life. I love them so much. They're so good. And he's hilarious in this. Like, David Tennant, I, I mean, he's great in everything, but, like, mm-hmm. the, I'm so glad they made Peter Vincent, like, just David Tennant's, like, id dialed yes. to 100. <laughs> well, and, like, I love that he's, throughout this entire movie, he's drinking, um... Midori. Midori. Yeah, you remember that shit we used to drink? It's not even a liquor. (laughs) You remember we used to drink that shit in college? (laughs) We would take shots of it. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes, someone brought a bottle of this, literally the same exact bottle, that green, it's because it's this green liqueur. Let let me preface this, because I know where that bottle came from, because I brought that bottle. (laughs) Oh, you did? Oh my god. (laughs) Because I had gotten that bottle, um... One year, because I made Christmas cocktails with it, which were, like, Grinch-themed, so I used that for the green coloring. And then okay. I brought it to I brought it to the apartment with me one time, and then we it just had it disappeared. Because <laughs> we just had it, like, for at least in the bar. six months. Because it was, yeah, it was just in the bar. And I remember, like, every now and then when we had, like, a big party, we'd be like, what are we doing shots of? And we're like, well, this is, like, a melon liqueur. So, like, people were better with that. And every mm-hmm. time we would drink it, Kevin would come by and he's like, you guys doing shots of Midori? And I was like, I don't know why we still have this. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> so, like, it was definitely a flash from the past. Like, because all he drinks is this shit. And I'm like, just I can't that believe. Over ice. Over Every ice, and I'm seeing he's it. And that's the thing is, like, I've done straight Midori before. It tastes okay, but yeah. like, I don't want to just drink <laughs> that forever. <laughs> so the whole time, like, anytime like they're in a scene, I'm just watching him keep like straight out of the bottle. He's just yeah. down in this, and I'm like, ew. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad it was such a weird touch. <laughs> Made it very personal for us. Here it did. I was like, no way. Is he tricking Midori? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Peter obviously does not believe Charlie when he's like, hey, I have a, I have a vampire problem. Um, and so he kicks him out. But uh, Charlie does leave um, some pictures that he took in Jerry's house with Peter that Peter will not look at for a while. Because Peter's so, got his but- shows to worry about and he's got Ginger in his bedroom or whatever wherever she is at this point oh man i long to be this man just like just everything about him like the mostly uh like his assistant ginger talks about it as she's leading charlie and that like he just collects all this like creepy stuff all Mm -hmm. this like all these artifacts and he just like accumulated knowledge until he just became the de facto expert on like all this, like, dark art paranormal stuff. So, like, everyone just calls him up. Because, like, he's not just a showman. Like, yeah, his show's kind of bogus, but, like, he actually knows what he's talking about when the Mm -hmm. chips are down. Like, he could tell you about shit. So I'm like, man, I just want to, like, get to the point where it's like, no, I'm the real deal, but, like, the real deal isn't real, so I'm just going to make it a big, fun show. Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. I don't know. Like, he is a little bit of a prick. But, I mean, a kid just walked into your cool inner sanctum and is like, hey, vampires are real, I need your help. You're going to be like, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. 
I run a magic show in Vegas. Yeah, like, bro, I'm trying to get laid with all of my lore around me. Like, mm-hmm. leave, please. Um, so Charlie goes back home, and he's like, hey, listen, Mom, Amy, I know I've been weird lately, but, like, we can't let Jerry into our house. Um, he's he's going to be a problem. And then Jerry shows up immediately and is like, hey, um, knock, knock, um, Charlie broke into my house. Um, do I need to call the cops or can we just, like, talk about this inside? Right. And, and I mean, Mom takes his side. It, it was kind of cool that she's, it like... It was a nice moment yeah, of, right. of trust between um, mother and son. And it's Jerry, unfortunate, though, that that moment is immediately ruined because Homie just yanks up their gas main from their backyard <laughs> and sets it on fire. So, like, all of their gas appliances just explode. Just blow up. I'm like, whoa, Jerry. He went zero to 100 so fast. And I appreciate that because I feel like more often than not, like, Maybe just because a movie has to happen, and, like, if you're really that powerful of a vampire, and, like, you need to kill humans, you'll just, like, kill them. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it's refreshing to see a vampire just do that. To be like, alright, well, I'll kill you all. <laughs> well, I guess we just need to end this quickly, because you're fucking with me. Um, yeah, so they yeah. drive away, because they're like, this is not gonna end well. Meanwhile, Mom's just like, what the fuck is happening with Jerry? I mean, and he just threw a running dirt bike into their car. Into the back and of mom their is, car. And he's like, do you believe me now? And she's like, all right, with the vampire shit. I'm like, listen, even if he's on PCP or something, like, it's impressive that he was able to do all of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then he catches up to them, which makes it even more dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then when they finally stop for a second, um, they get rear-ended by another driver mm-hmm. who's like, hey, why'd y'all just, like, stop in the middle of the road? And it's Chris Sarandon! And it's Chris Sarandon making, I loved making it. a cameo. Yeah, and, and then he sees... He sees Jerry, like, crawl out from the bottom of their car and, like, deadlift it off of him. Mm-hmm. And I do love that um, Chris Sarandon's character in this is credited as J.D., which is after the initials of Jerry, oh Jerry played something in the original. yeah nice <laughs> hell yeah and yeah um, Chris Sarandon gets bit and murdered mm-hmm while they're just like um we should maybe get the fuck out of here meanwhile Charlie grabs a cross and is like I got this well because after he don't got this so like Jerry bites JD uh, and. Uh, that's the first time we see what it looks like when he's more authentically himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in terms of uh, like CGI or even just like how a vampire looks in terms of like their true form, this is a scarier one than I expected. It's, it's, it's pretty creepy. And it's just kind of like, the the bone structure in his face changes back into mm-hmm. you know Colin Farrell, and he just kind of goes, "Hey," as if like you didn't just see him turn into a yeah. dumb monster. <laughs> well, and like I love that immediately he grabs the cross and it like burns his hand for a second, but he just blows it out and then throws Charlie against a car. 
Yeah. It, it's he like, plays I'm not along. Just fucking around. Yeah, he plays along for like a second, which I think is kind of funny that he's like, oh, listen, buddy, it doesn't work unless you have faith. Mm hmm. And then, um,. Uh, mom, what's her actual name? I feel bad just calling her mom the whole time. Jane, I think is her name. Jane. <laughs> Jane stabs him with a wooden, like, oh. for sale sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While he's talking about, like, oh, they always miss the heart, and, like, it only will do some damage, but it won't kill me unless they get the heart. And then she misses, but still does enough damage that they can run the fuck yeah. away. Because apparently it still hurts enough to, like incapacitate him for a mm. while because that's the first time that we see the jerry persona completely fall apart because like when she stabs him he's like snorting and snarling and he's crawling all over the ground it's very animalistic. animalistic yeah it's such a really cool touch too to like the vampires are not a human with these supernatural abilities it's a monster that pretends to be human mm-hmm yeah. Um, and at this point, Jane is succumbing to some of her injuries, and they're like, we gotta get her to a hospital, like, stat. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they're there, the police ask Charlie a couple questions, which I would love to know what they asked him and how he answered. But we do not I really that hope that he was just like, we hit a deer. And they're like, <laughs> sure! It's a big deer. Is it's a big deer. And... No, but don't ask. <laughs> Uh, and like, we found a lot of blood in the road, but uh, no body, so must have been a deer. All right, kid, <laughs> see ya. And at this point, Charlie gets a phone call from Peter Vincent being like, be yeah. here in an hour. And well, so I really he like leaves, that he puts a bunch of crucifixes on the door. <laughs> it was sweet. It was really sweet. Room. <laughs> and he, the nurse sees him before he leaves and he just goes, She's really religious, and then walks away. <laughs> it reminded me of, uh, like, every business during COVID put all those, like, little heart stickers in their window, yes. and it reminded me of, like, that was, like, you, you know when, like, The Last of Us, so there's just, like, fungus growing everywhere? Like, mm-hmm. that was our COVID version of that. It was just like, ah, oh, we see this place has been touched with sickness. There's yeah. heart stickers all over the place. <laughs> But I love that Peter, uh, he calls him up because he finally takes a look at the photos that were um, left on his desk. Um, Mm. And because he's such a nerd and he knows the lore, he recognizes some of the pictures from inside Jerry's house are of, like, murals that correlate to very specific breeds or clans of vampire and where they're from. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, when he gets Charlie and Amy to come down, he's like, listen... Whoever your vampire is is from this Mediterranean like sect uh, who nest in the earth, um, and they like to keep their victims alive for several days. And they tend to create tribes, like clans mm. or nests of vampires. Uh, and because it doesn't take very much to make a vampire, other than like biting them, uh, a lot of those little panic rooms that Jerry made could be his way of kind of like satiating new bloods while they turn into full grown vampires. Yeah. Um, and it's at the same time when um, Peter gets a message that he has a package arriving. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, let him up. And then Charlie looks at him and is like, it's a little. It's it's a little late for a package, isn't it, Peter? And Peter takes a sip of his Midori and goes, 
Actually, yeah, it's a little late for that. <laughs> well, because he's like, sometimes I'll just get really drunk and order shit online, and I'm like, listen, I know too, but yeah. <laughs> uh, usually it doesn't come in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And who opens the door? It's Ed. It's Evil Vampire Ed. Evil Ed. Yeah. So, not um... thrilled <laughs> to see Charlie. As, as much as it is, uh... I don't know, like, it's a good idea. To get the drop on your human former friends when you're a vampire, it's probably not the best idea to do it in an area that's full of shit that can kill you. <laughs> well, like, especially he... because the first thing that Ed does is lose an arm to an automatic door. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you're not... Come on, buddy. You're an apex predator. You gotta be a little careful, though. Yeah. Cause I don't. I mean, you could probably grow the arm back if you like got the arm and like well, stuck and it back onto time, the stump. But like, right, <laughs> it's it's not gonna go well for you, especially when you have to now fight with one less hand than the regular person who also has weapons. Right, and I mean, he also is bringing Jerry. So Jerry gets up there and comes at Amy while uh, Ed and Charlie are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Amy's loaded up, uh, silver bullets into a, you know, an, a handgun, and he's like, listen, that only works for werewolves, which makes me think, are werewolves real, too? I, I imagine at that point, because, yeah, I do, That'd like, kinda awesome. kind of a joke at first, that, that she shoots him a bunch of times, and he just goes, that's werewolves, and then starts charging <laughs> at her again. Yeah, and then she throws holy water in his face, and is oh, like, yeah, I think she, that works for she, vampires. She, in a single word, just goes, vampires. <laughs> it's like, Fuck yeah, man. I mean, she's like, lucky that it was yeah, full Amy. of that. Yeah, well, because really um, that it wasn't just an empty cup. He's got all of this, all of these artifacts. Uh, it reminds me kind of of um, the armory from Van Helsing, where yes. like the Valerius just had like every single weapon that can kill anything is there. And one of the things that uh, Peter pulls the first time is a crucifixion nail, which I mm. guess is an instant kill if you get stabbed with it anywhere as a vampire. And I'm like, holy shit. That's really cool. Yeah. That's an awesome touch. But it doesn't matter because the nail is like this big. And mm-hmm. Peter locked himself in a panic room and kind of was like, F everybody else. Well, yeah. And so Charlie takes this like big old axe to fight Ed, which starts to get a couple hits in before Ed, being the stupid new vampire that he is, breaks the handle in half, which creates a stake as well as the axe. Right, and like so his you gotta bris will get him stabbed to death. Right. It is kind of sweet though that in cuz it it seems like whenever you kill a vampire in this movie in the like the last half second that they're alive they become human again. Mm-hmm. So he adds able to say like it's okay, you know, everything's going to be all right. Because uh, now Charlie's like I've just murdered my best friend and I've killed a vampire. This is a lot to process. For we gotta him. run, though, because Jerry's here, and he's gonna try to kill either me or Amy, so we gotta run into yeah. the club. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm sure they'll lose him in a crowd, because there's nothing more, you know, distracting to an apex predator than more people. Because I'm yeah. sure that he's never had an encounter where he's had to find people in a group before, or... Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I don't and know. immediately he finds Amy and is like, I'm counting on him to find you later. And then, like, he also, sed- he, it's, it's an aggressive seduction, for lack of a better term. 
Because, like, <sighs> he, 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 like, cuts open his thumb and is like, all it takes is one drop for you to, like, become a vampire. Yeah. And she's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. So he rubs it in his lip and then kisses her to make her suck his blood. See, like, I'm, I'm a little sad that you said creepy, because I was going to say, I think putting your own vampire blood on your lips and then sucking face is probably the sexiest way I've ever if seen to turn someone in into... high school, it would be different. <sighs> He's 400 years old. There's no... <laughs> Age is a number, but when that number has three numbers in it and two of them are zeros, I, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying... <laughs> It's Colin Farrell, and I would assume that a lot of men and women would probably be cool with it in most other circumstances. Listen, I'm not saying I would turn it down. No, I mean, I... In this circumstance... I just want to do it. I just wish I thought of it. (laughs) I just wish I had, like, thought of that level of smoothness. Um, But it is unfortunate, because... It is an aggressively attractive move yes like there's there's a fine line between like really creepy and pervy and mm-hmm. like being dominant when women like it and yeah. it's, it's a it's a very it's a it's a tough mechanical bull to ride sometimes mm-hmm. and i think it just in this instance it could go either way depending on your opinions yes but in either case, it's bad for Charlie, because that means that now, not only has he lost Amy to uh, Jerry, but now he's on his own. Yeah. And so he goes back to Peter, and he's like, and Peter takes a second and is like, are you still you? And Charlie just goes to him, just turns to him and goes, just look at check the camera Check the camera. <laughs> right. It's a good way to check. Yeah, it's, it's a smart, quick, effective way to do it. And then yeah. Charlie's like, listen... I'm going to go take down Jerry, and I'd like your help, but if you're not going to help me, I just need to know now. And I need well, a plan. Well, and he... It, it's tough for, you know, Peter to do this, because, yeah, he knows everything, and he's got the means. The mm-hmm. only thing that he doesn't have is the courage, because he's like, the reason I, I know all of this, and the reason I've surrounded myself with all of this this lore, is because he's terrified of vampires, because they killed his parents. So, Which I mean, is a little in an effort, we later find out that it was Jerry. It was that it was Jerry. Too. Yeah, I, it was it wasn't something that I, I thought about until like two seconds before he like sh- shuts Charlie away. Then I'm like, mm. oh, fuck, I bet he killed his parents because that's yeah. probably why he knows very specifically about this, this clan, this clan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, Charlie has kind of had it and he's like, listen, I'm going to do it. Um, because, I mean, if you want to be just like every other male figure in my life and abandon me when I need you the most, mm-hmm. you can do that. And I'm like, shit, well, Charlie, that's a little below the belt. I kind of love that he's like, I don't want to live to see tomorrow if I just become like you. And I'm like, fuck. It's hardcore. That's intense. It's hardcore. So Peter's like, I will not help you, but... Here is a stake that is blessed by St. Michael that if you kill Jerry with, it will turn all of his victims back into their human forms. So they will no yeah, longer man. be vampires. And Trey's and, like, okay, fine. 
So now Charlie's got to have a suit-up montage, and thanks to the great state of Nevada, like, mm. pawn shops will just ask zero questions. They'll just sell a crossbow to a high school student, no problem, no yeah, questions asked. I love asked. that the guys, that Charlie turns to me and goes, I'm gonna go kill a vampire, and he just goes, Yeah, okay. sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, alright. He's like, I don't give a shit. It's like, you know how, um, when you buy a gun... You're supposed to have, like, a mental health check. Yeah, because um, background If check. you try to, right, if you try to, like, buy a weapon, and the very first thing out of your mouth is something that a sane person probably wouldn't say, I probably wouldn't sell them any weapons. No. But I just appreciate that the guy's like, whatever, dude, I don't care why you need it, I'm just gonna sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it in this context, because it's, there are real vampires. Yes. But, uh, I mean, he, he decks himself out pretty well. He gets pretty prepared. He's got and that crossbow. Smart. When he first mm-hmm. goes into the house, he immediately starts breaking windows so sunlight can get into the house. He also very wisely comes in right around daybreak, so he's got mm-hmm. a lot of time, uh, you know, on his side to make sure that there's no chance that he can get stuck and, you know, the, the sun will go away and kind of he'll lose his advantage. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, uh, he finds out that Peter is right behind him and has decided to join him after all. Oh, and he's geared up too, man. He's got, uh, I don't know what he put in those shotguns, but he's got he like a, a bunch of shotgun he has a shells. gun filled with stakes. Oh, that uh, thing is so has, cool. I think like assault shotgun, kind of like in Supernatural. Okay, yeah, because I'm like, if Silver doesn't kill vampires in this, what is in there? Maybe it's holy water or something. But yeah, dude, yeah. The, the rock salt shotguns in Supernatural are the funniest thing. Because I just think about, like, any Conjuring movie, you just get Dean Winchester with a rock salt shotgun, and the movie <laughs> is over in ten minutes. Yep. <laughs> it's so fucking awesome. Um, and as they're walking, and the, as they're, like, led into the basement, um... Peter turns to Charlie and she's like, you you know this is a trap, right? And Charlie just turns yeah, to like, goes, I'm counting on it. Damn. Yeah, and man, at this point, I'm not going to ask Charlie any questions. He seems to just, like, be on another level. know what he's level. got going on. Yeah, I'm like, listen, we're I'm just going to follow your lead, dog. <laughs> you just um, go right ahead. And so Charlie gets locked in a room with Amy um, mm-hmm. while Jerry starts beating up on Peter and then just throws a a tiny pebble at his forehead to awaken it his was so army cool. of vampires. Because it's all it takes is that one drop of mm-hmm. blood hitting the ground, and then, like, a good dozen of them just crawl out of the ground and the walls. Because he's, he's ripped up the concrete in the walls to, you know, have his children nest in the ground, in like, the just in the earth next door. Uh, but, and unfortunately the basement that they go into has no windows and Mm -hmm. there's so many hiding spots and a lot of vampires. Yeah. Um, and Amy's trying to convince Charlie to join them as vampires because she's like, we can be with each other forever then. And Charlie stabs her, uh, with a stake, intentionally missing her heart as to not kill her but to incapacitate yeah. her enough for him to escape. Yeah. 
it's a really good touch, I think, that this movie does to, um, like, one now that we're in the stage where there's more vampire combat, that, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of really interesting, unique ways that they'll fight vampires in this. Like, using the sunlight to try to, like, get them to get thrown off their game. Using fire to disorient them. Yeah. You know, wounding them so that that facade of, you know higher intelligence falls back into like animal instinct and and pure reaction it's Mm -hmm. really cool to like see that like if someone did learn how to hunt vampires they would know all of these things and they would try to play on their weaknesses because as we've seen they're so much better at killing humans than humans would be at defending themselves correct Like, with the exception of, you know, like, the blood being, like, a like a, deter- a deterrent, um, like, shooting those damn floorboards, I'm like, bro, what an inventive way it's to start, so like, limiting smart. their way of attack. Because, like, Peter's fighting, like, at least ten vampires by himself. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he's got to do is narrow their window of attack. So he starts shooting the floorboards open to, like, let sunlight in. So that they can't just gang up on it from the side. I mean, they all do. But at the very least, it gives them some time to try to, like, disorient or incapacitate them. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's so cool. Because I feel like more often than not, when we see vampires fighting humans, it's like, the vampire just throws the humans around with their super strength until they, like, their hubris gets them killed. And that's really not the case here. Yeah. Well, and I love that... Charlie uses Peter's like half joking idea to uh, setting himself on fire. fire. (laughs) It's so fucking awesome that he's like, "What if I just set myself on fire?" And I'm like, "Uh, they probably weren't expecting that." On fire, but then like use something to attach myself to Jerry, so he cannot just like run away from me. He has yeah, he can just throw me. Uh huh. And the whole time he's like throwing him up into the ceiling so it's it's bringing the floor even more down so that mm-hmm. you know so more, more sunlight's, sunlight's getting, getting in. in because up until that point they were like yeah there's sunlight that's kind of haloed their position so that they can't immediately go and attack them mm-hmm. but jerry's like all we got to do is wait until the sun goes away and then you're dead and yeah. they've bitten peter enough times that like peter's gonna turn and probably kill you too yeah uh however the plan does work, um, especially because Peter also helped out by shooting even more holes in the floor, which hit direct sunlight onto Jerry, and then yeah. Charlie gets the uh, blessed stake and is able to stab it right into the heart because he can see the heart as he's yeah. melting from sunlight. <laughs> yeah, it really helps that the sunlight has like burned a hole in his chest that so you can see the heart and be like, okay, I just stabbed that thing, and then it's it's game over for him. Mm-hmm. And that does do what it was said to do. It's turning all of the other vampires back into humans, including I, Dave Franco being like, yeah, what I, the fuck happened? I to totally that forgot. There's like that whole scene where like him and his buddy are like out hotboxing in their car. And then Jerry just comes up and they're like, oh, shit, oh shit get, like get rid of the weed. And as soon as they open the window, he just kills both of them mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good way to grow your little coven of vampires, especially with people that 
um, you know, Charlie would know. Yeah. Because it's hard for him to, you know, kill Amy. Because he knows that he's like, once I turn Amy, she'll kill him because of bloodlust. Mm -hmm. But it's hard for him to kill her because even if he tries to save her, even if there is some kind of, I don't know, magical stake blessed by St. Michael that could possibly turn her back, he might be forced to just kill her anyway. And if I just keep turning everybody that he knows, it's even harder for him to kill these people because, like, look how hard it was for him to kill Ed. And Ed was kind of a douchebag. (laughs) Well, yeah, and so we do end up getting the happily ever after story at the end. Where um, Charlie and Amy are hanging out in Peter's penthouse, I think during one of his shows or something. I think Um, so, yeah. And they're finally about to have their first time together. Mm -hmm. And he shows up and it's just like, man, are you guys naked? Because I am looking. And (laughs) it's just such like a legendary, like, wait to break up the moment. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which is only like mini golf and sushi. So that doesn't really narrow it down. God, he's such a legend. <laughs> he's so good, man. And mom's okay, too. You know, she calls him right before and is like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, something's there... come up and uh, I gotta I go. call you back. <laughs> I gotta leave. Bye. Um, man, I, I also learned um, this movie, the remake, has a direct sequel to this remake, just as the original has a sequel as well. Mm-hmm. And now, because of how fucking awesome this one was, I really gotta check out the sequel, and maybe the original one, too. I am intrigued by this, because this sequel was a straight-to-video sequel called Fright Night 2 New Blood. Um, yeah. Which, um, when it's described, it says, it's even though it's billed as a sequel, it kind of just repeats the plot of the original and this movie, um, with none of this cast and no references made to this movie. Um, like, Evil Ed is alive in that movie, so it doesn't really follow the same plot. So I'm confused yeah. by it, but I'm intrigued enough that I might watch it. Yeah, I, I did notice that everyone in the cast was different. I felt like, at the very least, Anton Yelchin did pass away, so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's one that you can't use. Um, but it looked like, at least in the, in the original uh, sequel, because the original Fright Night also has a sequel, uh, that the cast is different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like I kind of want to double feature both of the sequels and see how they stack up. That sounds like it could be a really fun double feature. Yeah, man. Man, God, I was so blown away. This was your first time watching it. What was your big takeaway? It's so good. <laughs> It is! Like, it's so I know good. we just talked through the whole plot, but like genuinely, this is one of those movies I feel like where talking about the plot of the movie isn't the same as like experiencing watching the movie. Oh yeah, um, we left out a lot of good little nuggets too. Like, there's a lot of really funny exchanges. Yeah, there's a lot of like comedic I... things that we can't just talk yeah. about because it's not going to read the same with us talking about yeah. it versus seeing it. Um. I will say, it's not currently streaming on anything. Uh, I mm-hmm. had rented it off of Amazon. It was only like three or four bucks. It's worth that if you want to just check it out. I highly recommend it. Um, I also feel like it's, every now and then, it's on Netflix. Uh, or at least it makes the rounds on streaming yeah, services Yeah, it's on some lot, streaming so... service most of the time. So maybe yeah. just wait so it out it... a month, see, what, see where it shows up in August. 
Right. So, like, if you see it on a streaming service and you got, like, an hour and a half to kill, I highly recommend it. it. It's such a fun movie, even in terms of, like, vampire horror. Like, it's not a very gratuitous movie. It's not a very Mm -hmm. scary movie. Um, I would say it's more of, like, an action comedy uh, at times. Um, Yes. And it's just really accessible. It's, It's the cast. Everyone would know somebody in it. Um, again, Colin Farrell is really good as this vampire. He's very attractive, even with that little hint of a widow's peak. I'm like, you're not fooling anybody with your little Dracula (laughs) nod. It works. It's everything about this movie works. I can recommend it enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just such a good movie. And it leaves Mm -hmm. you feeling good, too. Like, that's something yeah. that is really nice. Because so, you don't always get that in horror movies. Sometimes they no, end no, on a bleak no. note. But, like, this one ends on a happy note. You're glad you've gone on this adventure with these characters. You've seen their arc take place. Yeah, sometimes it's the crazies, and you end up being like, I kind of want to just, like, I need crawl into my own skin. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's this, where you're like, oh, hell yeah, man, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, so, I mean, I guess we can talk about um, what we're doing next week, man. What's the big deal next time? Next week, we have a very exciting episode where we are talking about a movie that is very near and dear to both of our hearts, which is... Such a good one. The Strangers Pray at Night. The Strangers Pray at Night, the sequel to The Strangers, which we covered mm-hmm. many moons ago... Um, That's right, we cover that in our OG Home Invasion yeah, episode. Yeah, OG Home Invasions, but I feel like we needed, I mean, it needs its own episode. It is oh, such it, a difference, and and uh, God, it, it just, oh, I can't even, like, wrap up, like, a summary of how awesome it is. Like, it's it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I just remember... My first time, it was one of my first theater experiences that mm-hmm. really stuck with me. And, uh, God, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm so excited. And then we're gearing up even closer and closer every week to that episode 100, everybody. Oh, my God, guys. Episode 100 is going to be such a wild ride. Um, we are it's bringing gearing a up friend to be something very special for us. Oh, man. I cannot wait. We. I. I. I I want to thank him ahead of time. We got a really good friend of ours who's helping us out. Um, We both uh, worked pretty hard, at least the two of you did, uh, on uh, putting it together. Um, Yeah, I've got another rough draft I'm working on right now as we speak. And it's something that I I really hope that, you know, we can continue to do in the future. But um, I don't know. It's something that I feel like both of us as creatives have wanted to do for a while. It's something we would like to explore a little bit more as we go on. And it's something so different for us here at Square Horror, which I think is what's most exciting about it. Yeah, having... um, Gosh, I don't even... I don't want to spoil, but having something like this, I feel like we're... We're growing. We're growing more into our shoes, man. We're growing on the little proverbial like height chart on the kitchen doorway. Yeah, uh, this is a bigger move for us to do something this cool. Definitely. Definitely. Oh my god, guys! Uh, follow our Instagram at these underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail Please remember to follow us on Spotify. 
Yes. Yes. And man, if you can't be a uh, supernatural magician showman, um, and you can't really, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Just be like Peter Vincent, but like have the courage to also back up your fun passion as well. And choose a different alcohol. Honestly, please, just drink something else from now. If you want to have the perpetual taste of Starburst in your mouth, I mean, you can. But, like, I don't know, man. It's going to give you cavities, I would think. Just go see a dentist. (laughs) And until next time, (laughs) you all stay spooky out there.